Okay, welcome back to part two of this week's Scottish Rugby podcast. Um, I am Cammy Black and I am still with John Anderson. Still here, yep. Still good, good, good. Um, let's start. Um, what we're going to do um, straight off, um, we've, we caught up earlier this week, or rather not earlier this week, last week it was, uh, before the Scotland-Argentina match. Uh, we caught up with Rona Lloyd, uh, the Scotland uh, winger, to talk about her work with the School of Hard Knocks and her experiences playing for Scotland. Okay, uh, I'm joined now by uh, Scotland winger Rona Lloyd. Uh, Rona, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, yeah, no, it's great to speak to you. Um, first thing we always do uh, when people are on the podcast is ask them what club socks they'd wear if they were playing for the Barbarians. And you, you've you've had a couple of clubs, so would it be a, a hard choice, or would you do the Finn Russell thing and you know one one sock a leg? Uh, no, it would absolutely be a a hard choice. My first club was Murrayfield Wanderers, um, but then Edinburgh Uni is kind of where I really fell in love with the game, so I would I would have to go Edinburgh Uni. Edinburgh Uni all the way, good. Um, yeah, yeah. We've... Although their socks are pretty boring, they're plain white, so... <laughs> so it might be quite hard to tell with the barbells yeah. kit, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, we've got you on because we wanted to speak to you about your work with the School of Hard Knocks charity. Um, now, yeah. most most people will know School of Hard Knocks through the TV programme on Sky with Scott Quinnell and Will Greenwood, uh, but but can you tell us a bit about the work the charity, charity actually does? Yeah, so this is kind of a continuation from that. So they've got bases in like London, Cardiff, Edinburgh, and what we do is we get unemployed people, so we recruit them from job centres or they get referred to us from charities like Turning Point, um, like alcohol abuse charities. And basically over a six-week or eight-week course, we have them playing rugby outside, of course, and then inside we have them doing like employability skills and um, ways to find work, uh, lots of workshops like that. And yeah, at the end of it, we have some really good results. Like since last March, for example, um, 75% of graduates have gone on to full-time employment so it's yeah, it's a really simple way of getting people yeah, excited about doing things and finding work and we've had a lot of success from it. Um, and what's your role within that because it's yourself and Mark Bennett doing the the coaching? Yeah and Helen Nelson's been um, doing some of this course as well so we're in with them um, doing twice a week at the moment but obviously it depends on what's going on with rugby and stuff as well and yeah coaching um, and helping out with the classroom stuff as well and um, they a lot of the guys I've never played rugby before, so yeah, they'll have kind of no idea like who we are. But um, when Mark Bennett brings along his um, Olympic medal, then they they get more of an idea that he's pretty good at that. <laughs> um, stop parading around, showing off, is he? Uh, yeah, the, on our last scores actually. Um, uh, so Mark Bennett came along once, and at the end we asked them what their favourite bit about it, and somebody said, "Yeah, Mark Bennett being there." <laughs> <laughs> I said to them, "What about the rest of us that have been here?" <laughs> Um, so what sort of training does that involve? What do you do with, with them then? So at the start, it will be like games like ten pass and hoik ball and just really simple games to get them yeah, used to passing a ball about. For a lot of people, it's the first time they've done exercise in quite a long time, so it will just be short and sharp and sort of build up their fitness level. And then when we start introducing contact, we just take it really slowly and it'll start with walking rugby and then build it up. And at the end of the course, they'll play a, like a full contact game against... Usually it's Caledonian Thebans, but a local team in Edinburgh. Okay, and, and how how do people feel about the contact side of it? Uh, people take it differently. We've had some people that just absolutely love it. Um, but always the first day that we do contact, the next day they'll be like, yeah, totally, totally dead. They'll be really sore. Um, but yeah, people, we build up to it slowly. So it's it's not too much of a shock for people. But 
of the contact as well we've had like domestic abuse victims and we've had people with autism that you know aren't too comfortable with personal contact so for them to be introduced to contact rugby and then to be playing a full contact game at the end is like an incredible achievement and and um, yeah something that they're all really proud of and and what's the thinking behind the sort of the the rugby element of this so the rugby it's kind of just a way to to get them active obviously rugby values of like discipline and respecting your opposition and respecting your teammates um it really like builds character in people and we always say that with kids but it, it works with adults as well it's yeah, rugby's a way to get them excited about coming along and it's much more exciting than doing an employability course where you're in the classroom every day, all day. Uh, getting them doing rugby is a lot more engaging. And, and you talked about the other work that you do. Um, are you involved in the mentoring side of it as well? Yeah, so when we're inside the classroom, we'll yeah help out anybody that yeah, needs help with writing or yeah, spelling, things like that. Um, and try and yeah, make the employability stuff a bit more fun with them and we yeah we do have have a laugh and at the end as well they get a qualification from Edinburgh College for the guys in Edinburgh so it's yeah it's really good for them they get a lot out of it. Yeah I was listening back to um, a podcast you did on Curve Mindset and then there was yeah. an article that uh, Bruce Aitchison of Happiness is Egg Shape had written on Coach Logic as well just about you and, and yourself the pathway you've taken into rugby and you've had, I mean, I suppose it's you've you've had to overcome a number of obstacles and almost sort of fight to where you are today. Is that something you've been able to sort of share with with the the guys that are attending the training, sort of to to help them along? Yeah, definitely. And I think like rugby can have a bit of a reputation for being like kind of a bit of a posh sport that's elitist and that kind of only like you know middle class people will do. But that's just not the case at all. And it's good to you know share with them that I went to a school that a lot of them went to. Um, that, that kind of still been successful out the back of that so I think it makes it a lot more relatable um yeah I went to Tyne Castle and Gorgie and our course at the moment is at Sight Hill so we've got a lot of people in the local area that are yeah can relate basically and that is familiar language and then um in, in terms of um your rugby it's your last that was your last season playing for Edinburgh Uni is that right yeah yeah um last season playing for Edinburgh Uni and ended with a loss in a semi-final and getting injured off the back of that so it wasn't not the way that I wanted to end but it's been yeah been a brilliant four years with them and and what are your plans for next season next season I'm going down to Loughborough so doing a master's there and playing rugby for Loughborough Lightning which is really exciting yeah I can't wait to to get down and kind of just get in a new environment with with a new challenge so yeah because that's the first time you've played for a team outside of Edinburgh apart from Scotland of course so um, you'll be outside yeah, your comfort yeah, zone a little bit. Yeah, I've lived outside of Edinburgh. Oh yeah, totally. Um, kind of that's what it's about. Um, the obviously they've got a new league in England that's really strong. So I want to, yeah, just get outside my comfort zone. Kind of be, I'll be playing with and against England players and Welsh players and Ireland players um, and other Scotland players like week in and week out. So that will be a real challenge for me. But I think something that I need to push on with my rugby and where I am. There's almost um, that you'll not be alone down at Loughborough Lightning, are you? Because there's almost like a little Scottish outpost there now. Yeah, yeah, we're building up the numbers there. Um, when I was looking into a couple of different universities to to do my masters and basically linking them up with rugby clubs, and yeah, when I couldn't decide, obviously I had yeah Rachel Bonner and um, Rachel Bonner. I'm mixing two names there: Rachel Malcolm, Sarah Bonner, and Jenny Maxwell. Oh yeah, saying come to Loughborough and speaking it up. So. Yeah, that helped the decision because I know firsthand from them how good the sport is. 
Yeah, and and in terms of uh, Scotland, it's it was a mixed bag last year uh, in terms of the Six Nations, but but there was the huge win away to Ireland, and and there seems to be a sort of real progress progress in women's rugby in the last couple of years in Scotland. What what sort of changes have you noticed? Yeah, I think the standard in Scotland, like even in camp, is just going up and up and up. Like the girls coming through are coming into the setup at a better standard. Yeah, it's getting. Well, I think every year we're we're building and for next year's Six Nations to have three home games. We're going to have Wales, Italy and Ireland at home. Um, you know, For us, that's a fantastic opportunity to prove how far we've come and to do it in front of a, a home crowd. Yeah, and, and have you noticed, I mean, uh, from, from when you started, um, you talked about, you know, was it Sarah Quick came into your school and, and, and sort of talked you into to joining Murrayfield Wanderers and then now you've got the likes of yourself, uh, the other players sort of going away and playing at a higher standard. Do you think that, you know, that, that, that sort of encourage, you know, almost sort of role models and encouraging others to come and play the sport? Yeah, definitely. And now when, like if we go along to events that these young girls playing at and, you know, they say, oh, what's it like playing for Scotland? You can say, well, we get all the sport, we go to all these places and what we can tell them, like the sport that we get is amazing and it gets them excited to be part of it. Um, so, yeah, Scottish rugby have put so much more into the women's game and it's it's shown because the last, two Six Nations we've got wins and that's our new benchmark. Yeah, and, and you've talked about you, you, yourself when you were at school and the fact you're a little bit reluctant to maybe share the fact you were playing rugby. Is, is there any sort of advice you'd, you'd give to yourself now, you think? Yeah, definitely. Like in school, I just, yeah, I didn't tell people that I played rugby because I was embarrassed about it because it was a boy sport and now, like, I could not be prouder of playing for Scotland. I could, and I absolutely love it. Like, it seems ridiculous that I ever wasn't proud of that because even that was when I was in Scotland under 20s um, so yeah I think if I could tell any girl nowadays like when you leave kind of that high school bubble where it's you know not cool to maybe be smart or play rugby or do things a bit different as soon as you leave it is not like that at all like it's a yeah it becomes like you go to uni and it's it's really cool to be strong and play rugby and to to do things differently. Uh, Rona thank you very much for that that was uh that was really that was really good thank you very much for speaking to us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Um, okay, um, back then, um, again, as we every week I say this, I never think there's going to be any news on a Tuesday, but then there's lots and lots of news. Um, first up, Agenda 3, we've had a bit more detail on that, John. Um, the, so far as I can tell, um, because there's a lot to it, and if you want to read more, uh, the Offside Line and Scrum Magazine, as always, have excellent coverage of all of this, but... So far as I can tell, the proposal is that below the Super 6, everyone goes amateur. You can pay expenses, but not pay 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 player payments. That's hard to say, isn't it? Um, (laughs) And um, you are going to be rewarded if you have a women's section and a healthy youth section. So effectively, if you want more more dollar from the SRU, you're going to have to put more effort into developing youth and women's sections. Um, there's been a mixed reaction to this online. There's some um, welcoming it, it's a good, you know, saying it's a good it's a good thing for Scottish rugby to increase participation. A few people think that um, you know the clubs are entitled to the money from the SRU regardless of whatever efforts they're putting in. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see which way it goes. Um, as this rumbles on, I've decided what I'm going to start doing is using the Take the High Road theme tune. I'm not <laughs> using it this week because it's an ongoing soap opera. I'm going to use that. That that's the way we're going to introduce the uh, news around any SRU um, 
Agenda 3 Super 6 items are going to be uh, introduced by the Take the High Road theme tune. Seems seems reasonable. Uh, what's your take on this, John? Have you had a chance to gen up on Agenda 3? Uh, I've, I've, I'm, not, I'm not fully genned up, but um, what, what's interesting, but I, I do think... Um, I do think expenses being paid is is sensible, and I think you know, I think for the sustainability of the club game at the lower tiers, it's it's a sensible move to sort of essentially ban paying players because I think I think you know it, it, the amateur game should should retain that um, that element of you know you you turn out for your local your local team and uh, you represent your where, where you're from or where you currently live so i you know there is players who travel quite some distance to go and play for other teams purely because they get paid and i don't like that what what was interesting for me there is you know obviously you touched on clubs being let's say incentivized somewhat to to ensure that you know they're making they're making accessible uh, clubs for you know for 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 the women and making sure their junior sections are vibrant and and uh, well stocked, um, and for me that that's a really positive move. Clubs clubs for so long have yes, they're stakeholders in the SRU, and without the club game, yes, we we don't have uh, a sport in this country. But there there is a responsibility on clubs to. Um, use the money that they're being given and use it responsibly. And I think perhaps that hasn't been done to its best effect. And by by, I'm not I'm not singling out any club in particular. Um, I just having having been involved in situations whereby maybe money is is distributed as at the start of a season and then is is not used in its best way. I think there could be a bit more transparency about that and I think um I think that would be for the good of the game completely. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think it's it's a good thing the more you know rewarding clubs that encourage participation and give opportunities for participation is the way forward because yes. you know what's the point in a club with uh you know a first men's team and you know, no junior section and no second or third team or women's team getting the same amount of money as a club with, you know, who's putting out full minis, P, you know, P's, um, you know, women's teams week after week after week. I mean, you know, you look at, we spoke to Carrick um, when we did the Super Sat- the Silver Saturday preview yeah. um, and the work they're doing with the local academy and just, get, you know, getting local people and local lads involved in the club. You look at Berwick, I mean, Berwick, uh, to touch at Berwick tonight. Um, I think one week they had sixty-five people turn up for touch, for touch rugby. For wow! Touch rugby, and you know you think there those are those are the clubs that those are the clubs doing the work to increase participation. Of course, you know I mentioned Berwick because I, I know Berwick, but th- there are clubs yeah. doing this up and down the country. Those are the clubs that that should be rewarded, and those are the clubs that would then put that money back into the clubs and increasing participation and getting the youth set up through what's. You know, you think what's the? I, I saw there was a club. Was it Watsonians this morning? And and this might be a pre-Super Six signing. I don't know, but they've signed some lad from um the from the Southern Hemisphere who's played. You know, was was on the books at Connacht. And I, for fair enough, if he's a, a pre-Super Six signing, but you think, well, what's yep. the point of 
an amateur team going around signing these guys, what benefit does that give to your community and what benefit does it give to your club? You win games, but that's not that's not what rugby's about. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really interesting. I noticed um during this season in fact that obviously I live very close to, to Bishopton rugby and have have played for them uh, in the past. And they were talking that they, their junior section they had uh, they had people graduate for the first time from their very first junior section through to the senior team this season, and had players obviously they've got players um, who are now pushing on to potentially represent represent age grade Scotland. So and the pride that the coaches and the first team players at that club feel about that that development it's you know it's completely priceless um so you know I, I think it's the only way forward for the game and you know it disappoints me to hear uh, of bigger clubs just chasing success by via imports yeah and i think that's the thing when you had um you know that uh, clubs with good youth sections then lose out because of course the clubs that can afford to play pay, players come along and you know tempt them with a with a payment of 50 quid um he, you know per game and that's again I, you know it's not the way forward it's interesting um uh you and tukalo um was was um being interviewed about his work the stuff he was doing this week with uh doddy weir's charity and they were asking him about agenda three and he was saying you know he played all his life uh you know played all his, his career um i can't you know somewhere was it near around Edinburgh way he's from um but then he had the opportunity to go down to Selkirk and it was expenses only, but he went because he was he could play with John Rutherford week in, week out. <laughs> he said it massively improved his game. He said that was good enough for him. And, you know, I don't expect, I, you know, I don't think we'd expect guys to go and play for free. Um, but if you've got that desire to move, you know, to develop yourself as a player because you want to get into the Super 6 and then you want to get from the Super 6 to professionalism as a proper pathway. And, you you know, you, you then... You know, you're going to have to make sacrifices and you're going to have to be willing to go expenses to go and play with the guys you want to play with. But I think you're right. I think the main thing is building clubs around community. What's, you know, and it comes back to what's the point of playing, paying guys to come and pay, pay for you? Because what, what good does that do your club? And if you need to play, pay people to come and play for you, then you sort of got a question why, you know, why. Why can't you keep hold of your youngsters coming through? Why why aren't you able to attract guys in from the local area? And I mean, I, there was a talk about the drop in participation as well, and whether or not that might have an impact on it. I think it'd be interesting to see what they do with the reorganisation of the leagues below the Super Six, because John Beattie years ago was advocating for um, regionalising it all. Yeah, because he's, you know his point was you, you guys played on a Saturday. Uh, you know, are not just beholden to the club; they've got families at home. So, if you're, you know, traveling from Dumfries to Orkney to play a game on a Saturday, that's a weekend away. Yeah. Whereas if you are playing a local match, you can be there and back in a day, and you're back for your evening. You know, it's not then. You, guys aren't. You're not going to have people dropping out if they know they're only going to have to. You know, it's you know, leave the club at ten o'clock, go play your match at two o'clock, be back home for five. Yeah, exactly. No, it makes it makes a big big difference, and you know, obviously, at the lower ends of Scotland, you've got the sort of West and East leagues, and you, you, you there's a couple of pretty chunky journeys that you take, but for the most part, you as you say, you know, you're leaving the clubhouse at eleven for an away game, you're playing your game at three, 
and you're back at the clubhouse for six if if you take your time um and and that's for the most part that's that's reasonable um yeah i, I think anything you know the big chunk you, you read the stories of was it one of the borders teams who drew Orkney or something in the cup, and it's it's like basically two 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 full days of up travel yeah. back. Well, we we covered uh, Berwick um, when they got promoted to National Three a couple of years ago. Had that journey, and yeah. um, of course, Berwick pointed out at the time it's worse for Orkney because they've got to do you know they've got, <laughs> they were in National Three they have to do that more than Berwick did. But it was a you know it was a two day journey up. You know it was a I think they got up there. I had to get up there the night before, stay on Orkney, play the game, then a night in Inverness on the way back, and then you know a bus back. It's yeah, it's not sustainable. No, it's interesting actually. Um, Stu, Stu Mel, we were hoping to have Brody on today, but he's he's off with a with a sore throat, um, unfortunately, so uh, he can't talk. He, he's unable to talk. <laughs> it's no good for a podcast. <laughs> um, uh, we could have talked to him about Stu Mel today. There's been a statement uh, from the um, chairman who just happens to be a gentleman by the name of Finlay Calder. I've never heard of him before. Um, <laughs> anyway, hes uh, they've said that they uh, it's, he basically said running three teams on a regular basis has become more and more difficult for a variety of reasons, namely injuries as the game becomes more physical at first 15 level, level and other interests compete at the lower levels. In truth, relegation came as almost a relief for it allows us breathing space where we can regroup as a club and focus what is important, and that is, in the opinion of the committee, getting two teams on the park fit and healthy every Saturday. And they want to, we want our players to enjoy their rugby and the fellowship it brings. And that, that for me, sort of encapsulates what Outside the Super Six, that's what it needs to be about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in next news, um, Scotland have announced that, um, and it's been a long time coming, um, Sean Wayne. I want to call him Shane Wayne just because it sounds like it rhymes. Sure, is it Wade? Sean Wayne. 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 W-A-N-E. W-A-N-E. Yep, Wayne. Sean yep. Wayne. Uh, they've signed him as a... Um, a high a high performance coach when he leaves Wigan later this season. Um, so yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Basically, he's looking at um, coaching throughout the game in defensive setups, um, mainly in the defence. So that'll be that's going to be interesting. Um, I can't remember. Even, um, I think it was Rob Robertson was pointing out that um, you know the, the um, we've been talking for a while about the benefits of bringing in rugby league guys to. Um, to Scotland and it's not something that Scotland have done before we've said that in the past on the podcast whereas you know England and Wales have had a lot of success with it yeah it's um it's something a bit different for me it does um it comes obviously he's had a lot of success um in rugby league and I'm, I'm always intrigued to see teams following the what I would call the, the sort of the Sean Edwards model of let's get you know a rugby league guy in, let's see can we get defences a wee bit different, a bit more ferocious, um, because obviously rugby league, you know the massive part of it is is that defensive alignment. So it'll be interesting, but I, you know, I think whatever way you rebadge this, it does to me sound like a defensive coach appointment. Which makes me wonder, Matt Taylor, what his um, his future is. Mm. It's maybe I guess it's one eye on post twenty nineteen. 
Yeah, yeah, or maybe maybe another eye on uh, what um, Mr. Jones is doing down south. Well, the news <laughs> the news was that Steve Borthwick was looking to um, had applied for the Oster Oster job and didn't get it. Is that right? Apparently so. So I went to Dan McFarlane. So that's. Yeah, whether or not there's a bit of squeaky bums around Murrayfield wondering that Matt Taylor might go. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what effect that has. Um, yeah. Other news. Other news. Uh, Scotland and Glasgow Warriors have now got phone and tablet cases, but no Ember ones. <laughs> I've seen them earlier on. There was an absolute uproar on uh, the, the Glasgow uh, Glasgow Forum with, uh, you know, the sort of exciting news build up. What we've been doing all summer is making phone and tablet cases, but not signing players. No, that's where all the money's <laughs> gone, lads. The first <laughs> comment on it was, uh, can that case play 10? <laughs> It's uh yeah, Ember have got maybe maybe Ember are just waiting for the branding to come through. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean it takes a wee bit longer to um to colour things burnt orange, I believe. So <laughs> get the right right shade. Absolutely. Um, on on the um the Warriors note, actually, there was a wee bit of news. Um, it's not really been widely publicised, but um, there's the Sixteenth Warrior, which is the the supporters group had, as I think you just mentioned in the last podcast, had uh, organised a meeting with the SRU to, for Glasgow Warriors to discuss the um, the issues around the, the Super Saturday, Silver Saturday, whatever we're calling it, um, fixture alignment. Um, there's been a, a bit of a development on that and there's going to be a meeting uh, taking place at the end of this week where, whereby... Um, there's going to be sort of Glasgow have put forward a, a proposal to the SRU and to the Pro 14 board uh, to be considered. So there seems to be alternative um, discussions happening. Um, so I basically watch this space. It's mm. something that might, might be happening. That's quite encouraging. There's that engagement finally. Um, I don't know if that'll solve the tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> Probably no, oh, no, no, it absolutely won't. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's zoomers on all sides, isn't there? But, yeah, uh, we just yeah. wait for wait for Ember fans to now be in uproar about. How oh, where's our private meeting with the SRU? <laughs> we want the minutes. Just wait till something comes out. I think you know Glasgow are going to announce a huge signing next week, and it'll be all because the Sixteenth Warrior got that meeting with the SRU. I <laughs> will signed the Barrett. Oh, there's still heavy, heavy rumours that the uh, the Edinburgh um, scrum half issue will be solved very soon as well, um, and it will not be Ali Price. Ooh, any any inkling as to who it's going to be? Uh, there's suggestions that will be Henry Pergos. Right, <laughs> I, can yeah. I think um, that's that. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that will not go down well in Edinburgh. Well, if you think about it just now, they've they've got first choice is Nathan Fowles. Yep. Which basically, I mean, if I was to come out of enforced retirement and decide to take up scrum half for the first time ever, could probably make a decent stab at being better than Nathan Fowles. So um, Henry Pergos, with with his um, Hopefully his injury concerns behind them. I, I think he could do a job there. I but mean, I no, suppose yeah. they've got two young scrum halves at Ember and they need someone to yeah. bring them through. And, and having Henry Pergos there isn't, to, to that extent, it makes sense. And from a Glasgow point of view, it makes sense because he's 
third choice effectively so yeah yeah he is and you know if, if he's going to continue to have any international ambition then he needs to be getting game time and you know you can see the way Dave Rennie plays the game Pergos is not going to it's going to be Price and Price and Horn who take the club forward uh, with probably one of the academy boys um, possibly supporting that yeah uh, so yeah, watch this space on that. Um, next, we're going to do a quick one of this. Well, we learned high and we learned low. We said goodbye for any speedos, but I just want to know, did you see the legend that's Doogie Donnelly? Yeah, where's Doogie Donnelly is back, and we have had a sighting of someone. We've had two this week, uh, John. Can you believe it? After, after we've been. Um, we, we've we've been barren in the Where's Doogie Donnelly department for a while, but we've, we've had two uh, submissions. Uh, the first one was from Alison Ray on Twitter uh, to say that she saw Sir Dr. James Robson in full kit pulling his SRU-branded trolley bag through a hospital in Glasgow on Monday. Now, nice. that's impressive going. He's got off the plane and gone straight to work. So, Please. you know, I would expect nothing less of uh, Sir Dr. James uh, for that. <laughs> Um, so King Doctor James. <laughs> the other one we had um, is um, legend of the Scottish Rugby Forum. Uh, the uh, bearded one, Ian Wallace, uh, got in touch with me um, on the private messaging just to say, just walk past Andy Nicol at Haymarket. Yeah, he also added that he didn't stop for a selfie because he doesn't think much of him. Yes, <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did that, yeah. Oh, well, well. I, I, I have a player spotted as well. Oh, do uh, you? Go on then. I I, uh, I bumped into um, the the legend that is Peter Murchie, of all people, um, at a swimming pool in Clydebank. <laughs> was he in his trunks? He was not. No, I think he was there for... Uh, I think uh, he was there supervising a, a swimming lesson of some description. Um, but no, he was, he was on the sidelines. He was taking the lesson? No, no, watching. Watching. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, possibly a, a kiddo was was getting a lesson of some description. There we go. So yeah, if you've seen anybody out and about, um, I should also point out that um, Ian also had seen Rona Wallace on his bus once, um, and got and was very excited about it. Um, he did you... get absolutely mad about that. Actually, he went on about it for weeks. Yeah, he said um, he said he was too shy to mention anything, and just as she got off, shouted back in blue, and she turned around, gave him a thumbs up, and put on Twitter later that she just met her favourite bus driver. And I re- <laughs> I really wish I'd known that story before I interviewed her last week because I would have asked her about it. Um, so yeah, um, maybe next time we catch up with Rona, we can ask just her. Get right? her back she, on for I, that. Well, I know she listens to the podcast, so Rona, if if you remember Ian, um, do you know, and, and maybe next time you see him on the bus, give him a thumbs up because he'd. Appreciate it, um, but yeah. So if you've seen any pundits, players spotted out and about, uh, get in touch with us, and we'll read them out on the podcast. Uh, the more mundane, the better. Uh, that's what we like. Um, we'll move on now because uh, time is marching on rapidly, and uh, we'll finish with this. It's hands in the ruck or any other business section of the podcast. I had a couple of shouts for this on Twitter. Um, John on Twitter got in touch and said a lot of the Argentina passes were forward. He also said the ball sounded flat, uh, the the camera work was sugarly and the TMO's kit was busted. Um, 
which you know i thought you know i thought we were nitpicky but when scotland won but you know <laughs> come on john <laughs> enjoy the win that's really really um that's in-depth nitpickiness i know I, look listen if we can win with that convincingly with a with a flat ball we're doing well um <laughs> word in a call-up I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Also got um, in touch to say uh, his was uh, the 16th All Black on the pitch in the All Blacks France game, um, which I'm assuming is a reference to John Lacey's block. Superb block on Baptiste Sarang. It was an absolute belter, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, should have been binned for it, like. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, this one, because it's actually on a technical point, there was nothing John Lacey could do. No. He can't overturn that try. He can't say no try because I got in the way. Yeah, I mean, he could. Yeah, again, there's that out of the the sort of um, when the referee interferes with play, you can, they, a lot of them will stop it and just call a scrum. But with the try being scored, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, technically he's right, but you know, you could guarantee that it's, if anybody's going to say technically I'm right, so stuff you all, it, it would have been John Lacey. John Lacey, yeah. Um, the, I like the passive aggressive TMO who just said. Are you happy with that, John? And he went, Yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely balling. Yeah, here we yeah. go, man. <laughs> yeah, no problem with me. And the TM was probably sat there going, Oh god. John. Oh, <laughs> Not again. Um so yeah, um that was that was an interesting one this week. Um it further fuels the all blacks get their own way conspiracy. Um we we don't subscribe to that here, by the way, but um it doesn't particularly help. Um Stuart Simpson um, got in touch on Twitter and, and just asked us a general question about what do Scotland te- Scot- uh, this Scotland team need to do to improve consistency. Um, we're not going to address that this week because we're doing our full uh, season roundup next week. So I'm going to throw that forward and stick that in as a question, Stuart, um, for um, whoever's on with me next week. I hope you don't mind with that. Um, and the last one we had uh, before we do ours, John, was uh, Ken Seaton, um, who... I thought and Rory pointed this out to me because that Ken had tweeted uh, the Scott Rugby Blog Twitter account, which uh, Rory's in charge of, and said, "Why is someone upset and upset about swearing?" And I had a mild panic because we make a commitment to try and not swear. As, as um, we've been a couple of close to the line ones this week, we were not too bad, but we try not to swear because I know some some people do listen with their kids. Um, and Rory said we'd had a complaint about swearing, and I. I was convinced we hadn't, and we hadn't. And and, and Ken's issue was um, the fact that we talked, me and Ian talked around the swearing. Um, <laughs> so, um, Ken, I, I, I'm not going to swear because we do like young people to be able to listen to this um, with their parents, um, and and they and we and indeed we 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 know that they do. Um, but so I'm going to, if you don't mind, Ken, I'm going to replace the swear words you used with the word puffin, um, the gentle seabird. So either. <laughs> Either puff and swear or don't puff and swear. Don't waste time puffing around. So um, maybe we might take that forward. We might just uh, maybe, in fact, here's a suggestion for next season. Give us your replacement swear words. Puffin's a good one. Uh, maybe let's have the names of some uh, some Scotland for, Scotland players past and pre- present. He's, he's absolutely parks that. Maybe something like that. <laughs> That could mean a multitude of sins, <laughs> it couldn't could it? Do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely a scope for bringing back um, Jim Telfer um, and, and getting him to talk about the puffins. We, and, we yeah. could do, yeah. Um, he wasn't gratefully received, Jim Telfer, unfortunately, but maybe maybe we could get... Might, uh, might revive that next season. <laughs> um, 
Never something rare could be never in a Murray of Sundays. Nice. Yeah, try to think. But yeah, give us your own suggestions. What words and phrases, preferably from Scottish rugby, that we can use and turn into swear words that that aren't going to offend anybody. And we'll all know what we're talking about. And and kids can go and use it in the playground even quite harmly. They can go and say, "Oh, he's absolutely parks that up." Yeah, he's having a he's having a fin of a day. <laughs> um, but anyway, Ian, what, what, what John, Ian, I've been speaking to Ian for the last two weeks, you know. Um, John, it's good to speak to other people. Get me out and about a bit more. Um, John, what's your hands in the rock this week? We we do have that similar uh, Glaswegian thing going on, so it's it's an understandable um, misunderstanding, I think. I should probably um, just say that my hands in the rock is we need more Ember people on here. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Well, I I think Ian had made the joke last week regarding the the Super Six and how we were we were staging a coup of the the, the podcast uh, from Glasgow and uh, that 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 was first the podcast then Scottish rugby. But um, <laughs> you've had your so, meeting with the SRU. What more do you want? I know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boden Barrett's on moon on a stick. Anyway, uh, go on, John. Right, right, hands in the rock. So it's all kind of related. So we mentioned in episode one, Scottish fans, the, we do like to whine and moan in, in, in inexplicable ways. So I've, I've noted a couple of, so in the build-up to the Argentina game, obviously there was the, the, the Tuni selection um Debate regarding, you know, trying Fraser Brown out at seven. Um, and obviously there was a lot of aggrieved people saying, you know, Jamie Ritchie's on tour. What's this going to do for the for Scottish Open sides across the board when a failed flanker can walk back into the role having converted to hooker and, you know, all that jazz. And Fraser Brown, for all intents and purposes, had a very good game. He's played seven for Glasgow before. He's played, He's played seven, seven for, for Scotland. Scotland before. He played seven yeah. for Scotland in a World Cup. At the last World Cup, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Townsend's taking the opportunity within, let's, again, the next line I've written, development tour to uh, try his options for the next World Cup using an experienced player who he knows from his time at Glasgow is going to give him everything. There is... Uh, for me, it was a limited risk. And I actually had a, a rant on our, our admin chat in the, in the rugby forum um, when the team was announced and said, yeah, I've got no concerns whatsoever about it. No, and you think about it. I mean, now we've got three. You've now got, going into the World Cup year, we've got three hookers who can all play back row. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, Ross Ford who? You know, that's... Exactly. You exactly. you you stick one of them on your, you know... Barring Rossford coming back into some sort of form and pushing his way to be starting, which I can't see him doing, it's unlikely he's going to make the world. I mean, we'll talk about this next week. It's unlikely he's going to make the World Cup because every the other three the other three choice hookers can all play back row, yep. and it's been years since Ford has done that. So, who do you want on your bench, or who do you want starting? Even do you want somebody that you can shunt into you know six or seven easily when you've got a run of injuries in a game? That that that's who's going. So yeah, I, I yeah, I'm with you on that, John. Oh, I, th- I think yeah. Unless Ford gets a seven out of ten, there's there's no chance of him uh, really <laughs> getting anywhere. But it continued as well. So obviously the game the game happened. We saw Scotland dispatch what was you know a, a an Argentina team that, for all intents and purposes, they weren't a vintage Argentina team. But as we've discussed, I think a lot of that was down to how Scotland played. And afterwards, it was. 
we can't take anything from that. We've beaten, you know, we're just beating this team that are not, they've not turned up, they've not tried, they've not this, they've not that. You know, know, I worked out earlier on, I think we were talking about how many times Scotland have won um, away from home. Um, Since the last World Cup, we've won outside of, uh, within tier one nations, so including Argentina and that, we've won twice. Argentina and Australia, away. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it, it's it's just we, and we we thumped them, and we should be so so proud of that performance. But there's so many people just desperate to find the negatives in it, and it it, it drives me batty. Yeah, that was the that was the rugby forecast put out a tweet. Um, Saying that was Scotland's heaviest ever away win over a tier one nation since ninth, uh, which uh, ever, yep. eclipsing their twenty three point win over Ireland in nineteen eighty four. I think you're right. I think what what would be nice to find, what I'd like to find, is that happy medium between the 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 naysayers and the doom mongers, and then the sort of happy little squirrels of get behind the team, you know, yeah, trying yeah. their best, you know, don't talk them down because they'll read it and then they'll cry in their pillows and they'll not be able to they'll never be able to pick themselves up again it'll be your fault when they lose something like the happy there's a participation yeah back the team back in blue there's there's a happy medium somewhere between the two two of those between sort of like (laughs) oh that doesn't prove anything we're a load of crap we were seventh in the world and and oh never mind better luck next time boys that there is you can you can feel both at the same time be the rugby equivalent of a centrist dad <laughs> oh dear yeah um yeah so a good that's a strong hands in the rock john um with you on that uh, mine was the uh, argentina band um <laughs> after two weeks of no music and acapella anthems of varying uh degrees of success that band now i'm i play tuba not to any great competence i should add but um, you know, tune your instruments, lads. It's Ooh. not hard. It, you <laughs> knew it was going to be hot. Adjust accordingly. You know, play the day before, but it was worse than the England band. And that's saying something because they are an affront to music and an affront to brass players everywhere. <laughs> so, yes, that was my... Um, yeah, they were out of tune, out of time. And I know they're in a the stadium and they're mic'd up, but you know, the tuba player, to be fair, the tuba player was good bit loud and but that could be a problem with a mix of the microphones but no uh mainly the trumpet section i think it was massively massively sharp so there that was my hands in the rock this week that's very that's a very interesting hands in the rock as well so uh, you know obviously the listeners they don't just get rugby chat on here they get musical um brass, knowledge get brass chat brass chat there if anyone's go. if anyone's interested in subscribing to a podcast on brass chat do get in touch and let me know <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll leave it there for this week next week we will be back with a full uh, another two episodes one we'll review uh, Scotland's season um, from the autumn nationals through the Six Nations to the summer tour find out where we are how we're going going into sort of a a World Cup year I suppose yeah Yeah. Um, and then the second part of the episode we'll look at Edinburgh and Glasgow in equal measure I promise um, as well as the state of Scottish rugby in general. So don't uh, don't do join us for that. In the meantime, leave us your comments on the blog. We'll pick them up. Um, 
if you've got any ideas for any awards that we should hand out and who should win them, not things like best player, young player, things like that, something creative, get in touch on the comments, get in touch on email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, uh, Twitter at scottrugbyblog or at Cammy Black. leave a comment on Facebook. Um, if you want to set up a, a thread on the Scottish Rugby Forum, feel free to do so and we'll pick them up there as well. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John. Cheerio, bye.